Thanks for checking out the Vox Church podcast. We are so honored to have you join us, and we hope this message speaks to you in a powerful way. Learn more about Vox Church by visiting us online at voxchurch.org. Enjoy the message. All right, church, can you put your hands together? Can you say, welcome to church? Welcome to church. Come on. Excited to be here today. We're excited to be with you wherever you are. Uh, My name is Ryan Weatherhead. I am your Middletown campus pastor, and I have the incredible privilege of sharing God's word with you today. Um, And so if you're hanging out on your couch or in your living room, or I hope you have a a big coffee with a big mug in your hand, um, I'm I'm just excited to be here. My wife and I live in Wallingford. My wife, Elena, we have three kids, Levi, um, Eden, and Silas. So our home is busy. Our home is busy. Uh, We've been a part of Vox, a part of this family since 2012. And it has been a wild ride. I came on staff at the end of 2015 to help plant our Middletown location. And so what is up, Middletown? I miss you guys. Come on. And and so so, so we're here today um, just seeing something incredible happen. It's an honor for me, for us, for my family to be part of this church. There's been a burning passion inside of Elena, even before we were married, to, to see New England become all that God's meant it to be and to see the church really arise. Um, and so, honestly, when we jumped on, when we came in in 2012, I mean, immediately God had knit our hearts together, um, you know, with, with the vision of what he's doing here. And it is incredible. I know over the last six months, it's been tough not meeting. And so I want to tell you, I want to reiterate what Josh said. September 18, 19, and 20, you must be there. You must be there. And so we have a number of indoor uh, gatherings on the 18th. And then we're outside 19 and 20. And so I would say, church, get there, get there, get there. It's incredible what happens when we get together with the people of God and worship. And so so I would just say, again, get there. You can open your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read three verses from Ephesians chapter 1. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And so I'm going to read 17, 18, and 19 uh, this morning. Ephesians chapter 1. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The title of my message today is, You Are What You Eat. You are what you eat. Would you pray with me? And so, God in heaven, we just, we as a family, God, all over Connecticut, all over Massachusetts, all over the country and the world, God, we as a family this morning, as we're together, even over stream, God, we just take a moment and we thank you for your word. God, we pray that you would feed us this morning. God, we pray that you would give us all that we need today. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 2003, I graduated from college. I'm a little old, uh, you know, maybe not, uh, a lot of people call me old. And so in 2003, I graduated college, and it was crazy because that summer, I um, had a, a moment where my spleen ruptured. And so, yes, yeah, so all people were, most people were born with a spleen. It's around here or here. I don't know which side it's on because it's been a long time. Um, but my spleen ruptured. Um, randomly one one day that summer. And so um, I go into the hospital and they remove it and they remove my spleen. And so I guess I can live without a spleen, which is a, 
a good thing. Um, but they tell me at that time, they tell me, um, they diagnosed me with Crohn's disease. Now, if you don't know Crohn's, it's, it's a kind of a gastrointestinal disease. And so from 2003, when I was first diagnosed, no symptoms, all the way through 2016, I had had a number of flare-ups with Crohn's. And so uh, some of you may have been around for some of those things, especially our Middletown family. And so those, those flare-ups look like weight loss. It looks like appetite loss. It looks like being hospitalized for days at a time. And so I knew every time my flare would end that one of the major kind of contributing factors to those Crohn's flares was stress. Yep, you know it, stress, right? It is a killer. Stress will get to you. I knew, if I was honest, I did not have a proper routine to deal with the stressors in my life. Now then, obviously, being a part of this family, loving this family, we talk a lot about healthy rhythms, right? And so if you've been around for more than five minutes, you've heard it preached, you've heard it talked about in a group, having healthy rhythms is a must. And so I knew for me to be able to deal with stress, I needed to find something, some type of exercise routine that would help me deal with the stress of just life, right? And so I'm a, I'm a tennis player. I played a college tennis. And so I, having a wife and three kids was difficult for me to really commit to playing tennis like I would want to. And so my wife's a runner. She's a big runner. If you know Elena, she's awesome. She's an incredible athlete. She's a marathon runner. She's run a lot of half marathons. And so I figure something that her and I can do together, I'll take up running. I mean, how bad can it be, right? How bad can running be? Yeah, it's terrible. It's so bad. And then it's crazy, right? I read in Proverbs 28. I mean, this was revelatory. I read in Proverbs 28, it says this. It says, the wicked run when no one is chasing them. The wicked run when no one is chasing them. I was like, I I cannot be a runner, babe. And so if you're a runner of Ox, we love you. And God has an incredible plan for your life. And we're praying uh, deeply for you. And so then um, I I walked into, or my friend friend and my wife and I started working out in our basement a little bit over a couple months. And then I stepped into a CrossFit gym. Yep, a CrossFit gym. I know half of you rolled your eyes at me, and that's okay. Uh, God has a plan for you as well. Um, but I did walk into a CrossFit gym, uh, and, and for me, it became a perfect amount of kind of cardio and weight training at the same time. And so I started, I literally started CrossFit just to keep my heart healthy. I just wanted to get my heart rate moving. I wanted to not die early. I wanted to live as long as possible. I wanted to keep the stress level down. And so that's why I started doing CrossFit. And two and a half years later, it's become this hobby that I deeply, deeply love. Now, about nine months ago, I'm there. And if you see me at the end of any workout, it's like, is that guy dead? He may be dead, right? I mean, oh! And, and so, so at nine months ago, the workout's over, and I walk up to Kurt. He's the owner of North Haven CrossFit. Come on, love you guys. Um, and I said, bro, what do I have to do to have more energy here? I feel like I'm here, I get here, but I'm tired all the time. It's almost discouraging. Like, I almost feel discouraged at times how tired I am. I need more energy, And he said this to me, and I almost punched him in the face. But he said, you have to eat differently. Uh, What? What does eating have to do with being at the gym? He said, you have to eat differently. You have to change the way you feed your body. You have to become more intentional about feeding and fueling yourself. And so um, I started using this app, this specific app, to kind of track the intake of food. Now, it's not, it's not a MyFitnessPal kind of diary. It's more of based on my weight, right? Based on kind of maintaining my weight, it gave me, okay, you should eat this amount of protein and this amount of fat 
and this amount of carbohydrates. And it's, it's been interesting. I, I didn't start it to lose weight. I didn't start it to gain weight. I literally just started using this specific app so that I could be told the appropriate, the appropriate amount of food to eat for proteins, fats, and carbs. It wasn't a calorie counting type uh, app. It was a macro counting. So, so proteins, fats, and carbs make up your macros for your meals. And so again, not a food journal, but a tool to ensure that I was eating the right amount of food that I needed to. And what I began to learn was crazy. And again, now we eat pretty healthy. Uh, my wife is an incredible cook. I, I, I assumed I was eating pretty healthy. Um, but what I found was crazy is that I was not eating enough food. Someone say amen. Right, amen to that. Come on, right? I found I wasn't eating enough. Like I wasn't eating enough food to give me the actual energy that I needed to do what I wanted to do, to fuel my body for the life that I wanted to lead. I was not eating the proper amount of food. I was honestly, friends, undernourished. I was undernourished, and I needed to do something about that. And so I, 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 I realized in that moment I needed to be more diligent about feeding my body so I could grow and go where I wanted to. Now, it's crazy, right? Because so much of the physical, so much of what we see or do with our, with our physical selves or the world around us, there, there's, there's a mirrored spiritual reality to all of those things. And so I bet if you took a look at your current state right now, the question I have is, are you feeling tired? Like, do you feel like you're always running out of energy? Maybe not physically, but what about emotionally? What about mentally? Do you feel like you're always kind of burning the, the candle at both ends? Are you feeling tired or does maybe, maybe your soul, your emotional person is, are you tired? If you say, well, Ryan, I don't really know. Okay, well, let's look at some obvious signs. Do you often feel unmotivated? Do you often feel maybe short or angry or, or maybe pessimistic or negative? Are you easily offended? Are you short with your children? Are you, are you mostly kind of fearful for the things happening around you? Are you discontent? Like any of those things can be signs that you may be a little bit dragging on the inside. And I would say today for most of us, if we're honest, we are undernourished. We're not eating enough. We're not eating properly. You're not feeding your spirit what it actually is craving. Now, when I talk about feeding, feeding, when I talk about kind of us feeding ourselves, it's those things that we give our time to. It's those things that we prioritize. It's the things that we give our attention and our energy to. I actually brought um, uh, one of my, kind of one of my meals with us. Sit down if you can see that. Uh, so I have a little plate up here, and uh, it's some of my go-to foods. And so I have my gummy bears, my Black Forest organic gummy bears. And so this is an awesome, awesome part of my meal most days. It really, really is. And so it's interesting, right? When I talk about feeding ourselves, my question is, what are you currently feeding yourself on? Like, like when I look at my meal or when I look at my, my, my spiritual meal, what, what are you feeding yourself on? Are you feeding yourself on sports or entertainment? Are you mostly consuming, right? Think about this. Think about what you mostly consume with your eyes, with your ears, right? Are you mostly consuming politics? Are you mostly consuming different social media outlets, right? Are you mostly consuming like the 15 subscriptions that you pay for every single month and you got to make sure you watch Disney Plus and Netflix and Hulu and you got to make sure you watch all these things because you're paying for them. Like, like what are those things in your life right now that are taking up a lot of room? in your soul, 
but are not necessarily nourishing you. You may even say to me today, I don't really know how to even feed myself. Like, how do I even take steps to feed myself? I feel like one of the biggest problems in the body of Christ, in the church right now, is that we have forgotten how to feed ourselves. Like, as the church believers, right? If you're a believer, I'm speaking to you today. Like, as believers, we've quickly forgotten how to feed ourselves. And so I wonder, if you knew how to feed yourself, if you knew what to feed on, I wonder what would happen. I, knew, I wonder if, if you figured out the combination of what you need to be eating. If you began to let God feed you. Awesome gummy bear. I mean, I'm going to eat a little bit. Is that okay? Gummy bears and avocado. It's great. I wonder if you began to let God feed you. If you began to actually feast on God. I wonder if you learned to feed on him, if he was your feast, I wonder what would begin to happen in your life. You may be saying to me, why should I even care about feeding myself? Like, I don't, you may be, you may be literally sitting on your couch right now going, I don't have the energy to even think about this right now. Well, today, God, I believe by God's spirit, he's gonna bring us clarity. He's gonna give us clarity of the why and the what. Why do we need to feed ourselves? What's the actual point in this thing? And what do we feed ourselves on? Let's get in it. Ephesians 1, this is verse 17. Again, this is Paul writing a letter to the church he planted in the city of Ephesus. He says in 17, this is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I love this because this is, this is one of the, the most famous kind of prayers of Paul. It's an apostolic prayer. Uh, you know, Paul has a number of prayers that are very kind of significant in the scripture, in the New Testament. And so when I look at this prayer, I, I think about him like praying this prayer over this massive church, over the city. I mean, literally in his mind, he's not there right now, right? So he's, he's in a different place. He's not in Ephesus, but he's writing to them, praying for them. I literally see him in his mind picturing the city, picturing people, and then I see him putting people's faces to his prayer. Like as he's praying for the city, he's literally seeing actual people that are attached to this prayer. And what does it say? It says, I keep asking. I keep asking. There's a consistency that the Apostle Paul displays that we must take note of, is that there is a consistency that he says he keeps asking who? The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father. So, so what it's saying here is that Paul is asking God. Paul is asking God the Father, the glorious Father, the Father of glory, right, the heavenly Father, to do what? To give you two things. And I feel like right now, like even over your life, right, if Paul was here with us, he would be praying that God would give you two things. What? A spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation. So Paul is literally asking God, you know, to give the church in Ephesus Two things, wisdom and revelation. And so what is wisdom? Wisdom is this, is this ability to understand something. Somebody say, I need some wisdom. You need some wisdom, right? Wisdom is the ability to understand something. Okay, so what is revelation? Revelation is the unveiling of that something, is the revealing of that. And so here we have Paul asking God that, that God would show his church something and then give them the mind to understand it. Let me say that again. Paul, yeah, Paul is literally asking God to reveal something to the church. 
He's saying, you know what? We are often limited in our thinking. We are often limited in our natural abilities, our natural minds. And so he's asking that God would unveil, reveal, pull back that they would see and then give them the mind to be able to understand what they're seeing. Does that make sense? And so, so what was it, right? What, what, what was this thing that Paul was asking for? What is this wisdom and revelatory prayer? What, what's the purpose of it? It says it right there. It says, so that you may know him better. So that you may know him better. Okay, so if I was Paul or if I was God, I would want to know every detail of the plan he has for me. If, if I'm Paul, I would want the church to know every good and bad thing that they may face from time to time. I would want to know the outcome or answer to life's toughest questions and problems. But see, Paul's prayer was that they would actually simply know him better. That they would simply know him better. Literally, like, like catch this church, right? Paul is praying for the revealing and then the corresponding understanding for the sole purpose that the church would know Jesus better. I mean, that's crazy, right? And so for me, I am here today to tell you, friends, all over Connecticut, all over the world, that you were made to know God better than you do right now. Like literally, you were made to know God better than you do right now. And it doesn't happen with our natural mind, with our natural ability, but only by God's spirit does it happen, right? Only by the spirit of God can on this side of eternity, you can know him more fully. And this is exactly what you were created to do. See, friends, before you were made to go and get a college degree and get a job, before you were made to nurture your children or get married, before you were made to compete in sports for fun, before you were made to do work with your hands, before you were made to participate in anything and anywhere, you were made to know God. Honestly, friends, before you were made to champion your biggest political party right now in election season, right? Not to make it weird, but you were made to know God. Like that's the ultimate end goal for every person is that we would know him, that on the inside, that, that, that on the inside of who you are, that God would reveal himself to you and then give you to, the ability to understand what he's showing you. And so this is the why. This is the big why of learning how to feed. The big why. Like, why should I learn how to feed differently, right? Why should I learn how to feed on these gummy bears? Because ultimate satisfaction in life comes from knowing God more. Because the ultimate satisfaction in life, like, again, before you find satisfaction in anything, ultimate satisfaction in life comes from knowing God more. This is literally, I'll say it one more time, this is the ultimate why of you being, like, why were you created? To know him. Because he was meant to be known. I mean, this is so important, uh, and, and I'll, I'll reference this again, on September 27th. Like, this is, the, this is so important that on September 27th, we're going to start a six-week series called Personal Jesus, and our team spent hours and hours and hours, and we spent tons of money to make a book that you could take home, that you could learn to know him more in the morning and in the evening. I love what Jeremiah 9 says, 23 and 24. It'll be on the screen. It says, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in might. Let not the rich man boast in riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands me and he knows me. Yeah. 
that he understands me and he knows me. J.I. Packer, a famous theologian, says, once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place on their own accord. Fall into place on their own accord. You know, for me, I, I gave my life to Christ at 16 years old, um, and I, I was living in New Jersey at the time, grew up in New Jersey, and, and as a 16-year-old new believer, I had this insatiable desire, insatiable desire to know him, to know Jesus. Friends, I didn't really, like, I, I was not interested in knowing ministry, I just wanted to know him. I just wanted to know him, and I'll tell you, through the different seasons of life, through the different things that you encounter, the different things that I honestly let feed myself either fueled that desire or it looked to squash it. Even recently, we, we had our third son. I'm throwing my gummy bears around here. We had our third son, Silas. Uh, Silas Judy was born just under 18 months ago. And if you know him, he is awesome. I mean, he's a handful. He was literally running around the kitchen this morning with a big plastic wiffle ball bat looking to hit his brother and sister. I mean, it was awesome, kind of. And so with, you know, with the addition of him, our, life's, our life is busy, right? We have three kids, all, you know, two, two kids in school. And so it has been fun, but it's busy. Our ministry schedule is busy. And so if I'm honest, over the last 16 to 18 months, if I'm honest with you today, I cannot honestly say that I was thriving. I can't sit here and say that my life, I don't feel like I was thriving in life. I was fighting tooth and nail for fruitful quiet time with God in the morning. I was honestly fighting to have vibrancy in my heart. And then COVID hits, and, and, and if I'm honest, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to have um, a week or two to pull back, to get back into this place of thriving. And, and so, you know, the, the schedule will slow down. Um, I'll, for a week or two, I'll be able to just kind of pull back and get back into this place of thriving. And then March came, and then April came, and then May came and went. And at the end of the day, I realized I still wasn't thriving. I did not feel in my, in my person that I was thriving in life like I really feel like I meant to do. And in that moment, I'm, I'm actually spending time with the Lord uh, one morning, and, and he, he shares this phrase with me. I, just, I, I hear this phrase whispered to my heart, wasted time. Wasted time was the phrase that I felt like the Lord spoke to me. And in that moment, COVID, I feel like had exposed something in me. It's like as I pulled back the layers, COVID, this season of pulling back, exposed something in me. In my personal state of malnourishment, I realized it wasn't my schedule's fault that I wasn't thriving. It wasn't my ministry schedule's fault. It wasn't the craziness of kind of fathering three kids and not knowing how to do it. It wasn't my family's fault. It was my fault. I was the only one standing in the way of an ever-growing, non-stagnant, vibrant relationship with Jesus. I was the one standing in the way. And, and it was crazy, right? It was like, I, I realized in that moment, I had no, no one else, nothing else to blame but me. And the Lord is so gracious, right? Like God, when he's kind of pulling back the layers in, in your life and he's revealing stuff to you, God is so gracious in telling us those things. He just, he just kind of whispered like, you've been undernourished for a little bit. You, you've not been feeding yourself properly. 
And I realized that I needed to find the method again to feed myself spiritually like I had done physically with my food. How do we do this? How do we do this? I got a couple of just simple truths for you. Let's jump back into verse 18. It says, this first part of verse 18 says, I pray, this is again the continuation of this prayer from Paul. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know. And so again, Paul's going back to the eyes. He says the eyes of our hearts, that, that they would be enlightened, that we would know something. Paul is, is committed for us to know something here. And so he, he, again, goes back to the eyes. He says the eyes of our heart. Now the heart here, is talking about um, the very core or center of who we are. It's our inner intellect, our emotions, our will. It's our total person. And so he says here, the eyes of your heart. Did you know, friends, that your heart has eyes? That, that your spirit person, the inner man of who you are, has eyes and ears. It has senses to hear and to see and to perceive from God. And so, so Paul is saying he wishes that the eyes of your heart would have light shed on them, that they would become opened, that they would open up. He knows that two things. Why? Because he knows that as people on earth that we are limited in our understanding, that we're constantly limited in our understanding. He also knows that the enemy of your soul will do whatever he can to shut your eyes, that the enemy of your soul wants to come and shut your eyes so that you don't perceive, so that you don't see. Right, And so Paul's praying that the eyes of our hearts have light on them. And, and so just as for me, I've been diligent to eat carbohydrates, fats, and proteins, we must become diligent to feed ourselves on the truth that will give us the energy that we need. And so three, the next three phrase, phrases are those truths that Paul's given us. And the first one is, again, in verse 18, it says, the hope to which he has called you. The hope to which he has called you. Now you look at hope, and hope is not, like earthly hope is like this wishy-washy, I kind of hope things go well, um, I hope more things go right for me. The Christian hope, hope in Christ, is described as an anchor in, in Hebrews chapter 6. Right, Hebrews, Hebrews six nineteen describes hope as like this anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And so the hope that God calls us to the hope that he's calling us to feed upon is the hope of himself. Christ is our hope. Circumstances are not our hope. Good opportunities are not the hope that, that we want. But Christ is our hope. Hope becomes the anchor because he is the anchor. And so as you're beginning to learn to feed on hope, right, realize that maybe your circumstances won't change, but the way you see those things, the way you view those circumstances can definitely change. And so this is what I would call my carbohydrate, right? So I'm getting back to my food here. And so I'm not a nutritionist. Um, I don't have a degree in nutrition. And so this is very simple and um, please don't judge me, right? But as a carbohydrate, what it does for the body is it generally gives you quick energy. And so, you know, 30 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half before I go to the gym, I will usually eat some carbohydrates. And so this apple, which I'm not going to bite into right now because I will not be able to say another word if I bite this thing, but an apple is a great source of kind of quick energy. Gummy bears, right, are a great source of quick energy. I love me some gummy bears before I go to the gym. It was crazy when I started to track my food. I realized that before the gym and then right after, my carbs were elevated. Why? Because, because this app was telling me to get more 
quick stored energy into my body and then to refuel afterwards. And that is exactly like hope, right? See, as carbs become an energy source for athletes, hope becomes that thing that helps you, as you store it in your system, it helps you over the long term, right? So, so, so listen, you don't know what you're gonna face tomorrow, and so you better get some hope, you better get some hope on the inside of you, you better place the, the, the hope of the gospel, the hope of Christ on the inside, you better store it in your muscles so that when you face whatever you're gonna face tomorrow, you can kind of resort back to the hope that he has you. Right, the hope that he's with you. We must become a people that realize that we need to store hope in our spiritual muscles so that whatever we encounter the next day, tomorrow, we could face. And I call this, this is the first truth, I call this having hope to endure. We must have hope to endure. Friends, we put hope in so many temporal things and we must begin to store Christ as our hope. The second phrase uh, in, in verse 18 says, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And so the meaning of that can be twofold, right? And so we look at just this inheritance that God has set for the believer. There's, a, there's, a, there's an inheritance that God has set for you, uh, abundance, the fullness of eternal life, both here and beyond, infinite, inexhaustible. But on the other hand of that, we are actually God's inheritance, right? We are his people. We are a people that must know that we are meant to belong to him. And so it's in our best benefit to first and foremost, before you belong to anything, before you belong to church, before you belong to your job, before you belong to your family as a husband or a wife or a mom or a dad, you must first understand that you are meant to belong to him. And so this is my fat. This is my fat. I'll tell you, friends, fat is good for you. Like people go, oh, I can't have fat. It's, no, no, the right amount of fat in your diet is good for you. This is my brown avocado, okay? It's a great source of fat. I love peanut butter. It's an also another great source of fat. See, fats are good because they give you long-term energy. As you eat them, they store in your body, and they give you long-term energy. And again, I'm not a nutritionist, so it's very simple. But as you partake in kind of some healthy fats, they are good for you. It's crucial to feed yourself with fat. And I find that in Christ, in him, I can find all I need and all I am. And so I must find my identity in him. I must find my purpose in him. I must over the long haul. See, fat, fat is like the identity, right? See, in Christ, you must root your identity in him. You must, you must understand without a shadow of doubt that you're a daughter, that you're a son, that before you're, before you're a community group leader, before you're a business owner, before, before you're this or you're that, you must root yourself that all you need and all you are is found in him and that over the long haul, that becomes like your spiritual fat, your spiritual fat. That if I want to become who God's called me to be, I must first belong to him. And so I call this the need to be longing to become. That I, that I must belong to then become. Right? We call this belonging to become. That I first must understand that I belong. That I am his and, his, and he is mine. That I am his inheritance. 
and then, and then, then I can become all that he's made me to be. The last part of verse 19 here, it says, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. He's giving us three things. This third thing is the incomparably great power for us who believe. And so there is a power that comes from God. There's an authority that you're given in Christ, right? There, there, it's, it's, it's greater than your status. It's greater than your job title. It's greater than your social media following. It doesn't come because of your own merit or abilities. It comes from his grace. It comes from his unmerited favor. And it's a power that the gospel provides from what Christ has accomplished on a cross. And so this is the protein. This is the protein. I have some, I have some lean grilled chicken here um, that, that we grilled up last night. I'm just hungry, friends, and so I'm going to eat some of this. But when you look at protein, protein gives you power, right? Protein is the building block of all strength and muscle. And so we must remember that we must receive, we must remind ourselves of the power and the promise of the resurrection. We must receive God's power both here and now and what we will, what we will receive um, uh, eternally. And so as we build on the power of the resurrection, it's like protein in our muscles, right? Is, think, think about, think about that, that, that time you first said yes to Jesus. Go back to that moment for, for a minute. Think about the impact of saying yes to Christ and the power that you received to, to choose him, to say yes to him. And then think about all the moments along the way where he's kept you, where he's kept you from, 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 from doing stupid things, right? He's kept you. He's kept your yes. And so we must look at the power of the resurrection, the power of the gospel as the protein that we must feed ourselves on daily. We must do it daily. And so this third how, this third what, is the power to rise. We need the power to rise. We need the power to rise. We must, as people, build our lives on the power of the resurrection. And so where are you? Where are you in this? I'm going to ask, honestly, if you're, if you're in your living room, let's, would you stand with me today? I feel like today is a day to start fresh, to come to him and be fed, to reignite the desire to know him. You know, I was thinking about these two things as I'm just thinking about what this means for us as we move forward. And so I would say two things. Is there something that you need to surrender? Like, is there something that you've been feeding yourself on that you need to surrender, that you need to give up? And I'm wondering, who in your life right now can you go and confess that thing to? I, I, I see it right now. I, I've been feeding myself on this, and I just, I want to feed myself on Christ. I want to feed myself on Him. Maybe you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus before. Maybe you go, I want to feed myself on Him, but I must first learn I must first say yes. And so honestly, friends, the best way to do that is actually to grab your phone. Go ahead and grab your phone right now and text the word Jesus to the number on the screen. 
And one of our leaders will call you and walk you through the fact that Christ died on a cross for you. The fact that he paid for your sin. From the day you were born to the day you die, your sin has been wiped clean. And that because of his resurrection power, that power that we must feed upon as protein to our soul, to our muscles, that you never have to taste death because of what he did. And so all you must do is by faith receive him. All you must do is by faith say yes to him. I'm going to pray for us today. I'm actually going to pray a prayer of impartation. So as I pray, I want you to receive this. Go ahead and open up your hands. I want to literally pray that God would impart this to you. That God would impart this this desire to see first yourself as God sees you, but then also to receive. I want to impart the desire to see Paul's prayer answered in your very life. And so, God, right now, I just, I thank you, Lord, for your goodness, God. We thank you that you're here in every house, all over, all over New England and beyond, God. I thank you that you are in, that by the Spirit of God, that you're in every house. And so, God, I pray right now, Lord, that we would have a desire, that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us revelation, God, that we would know you. God, I pray right now that you would reveal Jesus to our hearts. God, that you would unveil Jesus to our hearts. Lord, that like, like do, doing that, that thing that only you can do, God, that you would reveal the magnificence of Jesus, the kingship of Jesus, the beauty of Jesus. God, that you would reveal it to our very hearts today, wherever we are, and give us wisdom to understand, God, that we would know you better. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would anchor ourselves. God, that we would have hope to endure. God, that we would belong so that we could become all that you've made us to be. And God, so we can have the power of the resurrection living on the inside of us so we can rise, God. God, I impart that to your church today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Fox Church seeks to reach New England and beyond with the life-transforming message of Jesus. If you have been impacted by this message or the ministry of Vox Church, you can continue to help us reach others by giving today at voxchurch.org forward slash give. For more information on how to get involved, visit us online or on any social media platform at vox.church. We always appreciate you taking the time to rate or review this message on iTunes. Thanks again for listening to the Vox Church Podcast.